The Orange FM. Welcome to another episode of Bad Wolf Radio, the discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with the man who you may find has a certain genetic advantage, Adam Farmer. Ah, yes, that is a good one. And a direct reference to today's, well, not today's episode, but this episode of Doctor Who that we're going to be talking about. And an incredible part of this episode, nonetheless. Nice pull by you. It's actually Saturday's episode, Adam, and let's see, it is now Friday, so we almost didn't record this before the next episode. (laughs) We are slacking. We are slacking, but you know what? I have this commitment to what we're doing here, so I knew that we were going to get this recorded before the weekend hit. We're getting it recorded, and yeah, I'm sorry. It's definitely not the day that it should be. I'll try to do better next week. Hey, but you you're so you're so committed that you're actually recording from a hotel room in New York City. Is that right? Not only a hotel room in New York City, I'm in a hotel room in New York City in Chinatown. It is amazing to walk outside. I looked on Yelp the other day for restaurants in my area just to drop out and pick something up. And within 0.3 miles of me, there were about like no lie, 50, 60, 70 Chinese restaurant places, and all of them had 200 reviews. I have no idea how that's possible, but yeah, I'm in New York this week. Um, actually, I'll be in New York for a couple more days um, for a work gathering slash retreat. Yeah. Have you been keeping your eye closely on the Statue of Liberty? Uh, I have not seen the Statue of Liberty yet, which is kind of... So she could um, be anywhere. She could be anywhere. Like she could honestly be out my window right now, and you, I'm now. I'm going to be scared to walk the streets tonight. Thank you very much. I, I, I just oh, had to remind man. you. I yeah. just had to remind you of the danger that you're in being in New York City with all the uh, the weeping angels and such. I need to. Oh goodness, was that? That was Manhattan, right? And what park was that in? Was that? That wasn't Central Park, was it? Was that bridge in Central Park where the creepy little weeping angel cherub chases Rory? Just don't think about it, Adam. I'm going to Central Park tomorrow. You're not going to be able to sleep. This is not good. <laughs> I've survived this long. I need to make it home. Uh, well, I don't, I'm not prepared to live in the 1940s. That doesn't sit well with me. But you can hang with Rory, your favorite companion. <laughs> right. Yep, exactly. And then, who knows, maybe River Song will show up at some point. <laughs> Well, this episode, we are going to be reviewing uh, Robot of Sherwood, but before we get into that, we do have just a couple news items that we wanted to talk about. So, first of all, they did another theatrical showing of Doctor Who. The season premiere was in theaters again, much like they did with the 50th anniversary. I know neither of us went to see it. No, but I did hear that some of our listeners and Facebook fans, Facebook page followers... Um, we're planning on seeing it. So it, it definitely sounded like it would be an awesome way if you don't have BBC, have a season pass on iTunes, what have you, um, to stop on in and watch season premiere, Peter Capaldi's first episode, series eight, um, on the big screen. And it did pretty well, it seems like. Uh, I guess for at least for the one night, it was the number one movie at the box office. Yeah, it's it's always impressive. Like, it's it's a TV show. There's no hiding the fact that it's a TV show. It's not going to be uber CG heavy, massive film, big budget. It has a small budget, but yet here we are, a Monday night, and it was number one in the box office in North America. Pretty awesome. Yeah, and we did not contribute to that, but it still did well without us. 
I'm actually kind of regretting not seeing it in the theater because how often is it that we get to see Doctor Who on the big screen? Not often, but it definitely feels like it's becoming a regular occurrence, especially if it keeps pulling numbers like this. Um, because not only was it top of the box office on a Monday, but that translates into actual money. Um, and I'm pretty sure that BBC is not um, oblivious to that fact. So I would not at all be surprised if... We have a Christmas special coming up. There's major rumors surrounding the Christmas special already, and we're still a couple months out. It would I wouldn't be surprised if we might get a Christmas special in the theaters as well. Would you go to see that if that happened? Yeah, I think if they did the Christmas special in the theater, I think I would. Part of the reason I didn't go see the premiere episode in the theater is just because of the previews I had seen for it. It just didn't look that great. Um and because Strax and Jenny and the Lizard Lady were in it. And so, <laughs> I'm just going to call her the Lizard Lady. I to call her by her name. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, yeah, I think there was elements of it that I was just like, eh, I don't know. You know what? I'm just going to watch that one at home, you know, and we'll see how it goes. The 50th was different. You know, Tenant was in it. I wasn't going to miss that. Tenant Smith on the same screen with guest star John Hurt. Now, that's a movie-going experience. Right. But just having... Uh, you know, some characters that we've seen a million times with the new Doctor wasn't quite as big of a, a sell for me. But um, Christmas special, depending on how it looks or what the storyline looks like, I most likely would go see that in theaters. Well, I it probably won't be too long before we get in some more hints as far as what that episode has in store. It should be good. Well, another thing that came out recently is on, uh, was it radiotimes.com? That is correct. That Rose Tyler has been voted as the fan favorite companion. That is correct. How do you feel about that? You know what? I'm pretty good at pretty I'm pretty comfortable with that. Especially if you go to the article and we should probably go ahead and post this on our Facebook page if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and you look through kind of the bracket system that they had in place and who faced off against who and where it ended up. I, I can't really disagree with it. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the bracket now yeah, and I'm curious to see maybe some things that stick out to you, maybe some upsets that you're surprised by. Cause there's definitely some in here that I'm very surprised by. You're going to put me on the spot. I, I'm, I guess I'm not, I mean, Susan's out in the first round. Not at all surprised. Okay. I would choose. Um, I would choose Donna's grandpa over Jackie. So that one's not a surprise either. Um, I, I thought he was hilarious. Plus, he's responsible for killing the ten, the tenth Doctor. So I mean, yeah. So he's a big companion, even though he wasn't in all that many episodes. So Donna Donna beat Mickey. Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me. Um, I like Mickey, but if we're looking at companions and we're looking at um, popularity, I have no problem saying that Donna was more popular than Mickey. Okay. Now, if Donna would have beat, beat Riversong, I would have been a little bit surprised by that. Not necessarily because Riversong is better than Donna, but just for the fact that Riversong definitely seems to draw more attention than Donna does. Um and so with it being a popularity contest, usually the one that get, has the most attention gets gets the advantage. Yeah, and it looks like, you know, it's very uh, modern series heavy with the uh, the final four all being companions who have actually shown up in the modern series. Although we did have the one, um, Elizabeth Sladen's character, who was in the classic series but also carried over into the modern series. Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane Smith. But yeah, so Sarah Jane. The one that um, the, the one, one that I think surprises me the most is Captain Jack beating out Amy Pond. Yeah. It surprises me just because that's not the way I would have gone. But knowing the clout that Captain Jack has within the fan base of Doctor Who, New Who fans especially. And the fact that he, I mean, he got his own spinoff. Um, 
he is essentially on par with Sarah Jane, who also had her own spinoff. Um, I'm not not really surprised that was it 2.3 million votes. Um, oh no, that was that was what it took for Billy Piper to beat John um, Barrowman's Captain Jack. But anyways, I'm not. I'm surprised because that's not the way I would go, but I'm not really surprised that the fan base went that way. So wait, when did Clara, was she, is that a matchup against Amy up there at the top? Is that Clara? That, no, that's Clara against Vastra. Oh, oh yeah. So Clara beat out Vastra and then Amy against Clara and Amy took down Clara. Oh, okay. Which honestly, I would think the doctor would even agree with that, de- that decision. So I can't argue that one. <laughs> Well, in the end, Rose Tyler won, which I think I think we've both established that she's our favorite companion, so I think we're okay with that. Yep, I'm okay with that. And sorry, Bonnie everything Burton. Everything else after that. Sorry, Bonnie Burton. We apologize for our undying like of Rose Tyler as a companion. So, have you seen previews for the next episode? I know you have. You've seen previews yes. for Listen. I have. I what have. Your, what are your initial thoughts on that one? It looks pretty. It looks like they're going creepy on us again. They're going to have that that staple of Doctor Who, and they're going to give us uh, one of these really creepy episodes that hopefully will scare us a little bit. I'm excited. Um, I know that we were just kind of joking around when we looked at the title, saw Listen, and com- immediately compared it, or immediately thought of the potential it had to compare to Blink, the one word. Um, yeah, the one word title that is an action, that type of thing. I think it might actually be that looking at the just the preview for it. I'm really excited to see what's in store. And it is downright creepy. Um, the the preview with the the poem, the rhyme. And then the hand coming out from underneath the bed and grabbing an ankle. What kid hasn't been afraid of a hand grabbing them from underneath their bed? Um, yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be a good one. How about yourself? Are you, what, what are your thoughts? What did you think? Yeah, I'm excited for it for the same reasons you are. I like the creepy element. I like it when Doctor Who goes that direction. And yeah, the the whole hand coming out and grabbing the ankles is just super creepy. Um, and just some of the other images that we get in there, we get to see, you know, Danny Pink is is involved. There's a scene with, you know, it looks like an older version of him or maybe a relative of him that's you know in a spacesuit and all kinds of crazy stuff that I'm trying to figure out how that all works. So I think. Um, yeah, I, I hope I'm not getting into too much spoiler territory, but I think it's all been shown in previews at this point. But yeah, I think there's something to do with Danny Pink, you know, going, you know, some kind of time travel element because he looks like he's aged quite a bit in some of the scenes. Yeah, there's definitely him rocking a micro fro that's great a little bit. The one thing that I'm trying to figure out, um, that definitely looks like an older version of Danny Pink. I'm wondering if they showed us a younger version of Danny Pink as well. Um, I could definitely just be jumping to conclusions because they showed a lot of little kids. But there's one that, I don't know, it had a striking similarity to the older Danny Pink. And I'm wondering if this might be something that, like, they just show it haunting Danny for his entire life, what have you. But, yep, he's rocking the orange spacesuit. Um, similar to some of the set photos that we saw come out over the summer where the doctor and Clara are in spacesuits. There's also another lady that rocks the spacesuit. Um, I don't know if this is the episode where everybody's going to be in them, but we definitely saw Danny Pink wearing it. Yeah, I think you're and, right. I think the I think we're going to get to see Danny Pink as a young child and also as an older person. Um, yeah, I think they're kind of go through his life a little bit. But that rhyme, last time that we got a a rhyme like that, was that good man goes to war, tick-tock goes the clock. Um, even for the doctor. Even for the doctor. Was that, was that good man goes to war? I'm not 100% sure on that, but it sounds right. Okay. I think it was in that general time frame of, of episodes. 
they do a good job with those though that that has stuck with me and i'm pretty sure this one's going to stick with me as well so one thing that just stuck out to me so we've had blank they did something similar with series seven with smith and clara that was called hide and i remember uh i don't know if we i don't know if we talked about it for a podcast, but I remember you and I having a discussion about that being the next blank. Now here we are with listen and having a very similar discussion. I wonder what the possibilities are of us being disappointed by this one and not having it live up to expectations. What's what's your gut say on that one? I don't think Just it's given gonna... the the last couple episodes. I don't think it's going to be the next Blink per se because Blink introduced us to one of the more iconic villains of Doctor Who. I don't think we're getting that with this. I don't think we're getting some kind of a villain that's going to recur. I think this is going to be more one of the one-off, you know, creepy type of episodes that um, will probably be more in the vein of something like Hyde was, but not so much Blink with a, a new villain coming out. Would you be terribly upset if this does become a recurring vin- villain? If if uh, um, Moffat hits it out of the park again with another great creepy, creepy villain? I would welcome it. I would welcome a new villain. I think we're we're due. Uh, you know, I think each Doctor needs to have their kind of their main villain that they face, and uh, so Capaldi. You know, to give a new one to Capaldi. Although I hope with Capaldi it's going to be the Master because we haven't seen the Master in a while. But, yeah, this, just from the previews, I think if there was going to be, like, an iconic villain, they would have shown it in the previews. We would have seen some sort of image of of what to expect as opposed to just these hands coming out. So, but we'll see how they tie it all in. There's always some sort of a explanation to these supernatural Doctor Who episodes. There's always some sort of alien involved or or something like that. It's never actually ghosts, obviously. So it'll be cool to see you know, how they take this creepy element of these hands coming out from under the bed and, like, what is that, you know? Like, how are they going to explain that? Yeah. And and just to throw this out there, this is the last episode that Stephen Moffat writes by himself until we get to episode 11 and 12, which end the season. Um, so this is the last one by himself for a while. So I don't know. So far I haven't been disappointed by what he's done this season. And we don't have too long to wait. Tomorrow. No. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. Tomorrow we will watch it. Uh, this episode that we're edit or this episode that we're recording right now will probably post tomorrow if I can stay up late enough and edit it. And you know, so as you're listening to this episode, you will have the ability to watch, uh, listen tonight, and uh, see if our predictions are right or wrong. See, that's what I planned the entire time. This was a perfect lead up for the episode. <laughs> I did this on purpose. Right. So let's let's talk about the episode that we did watch. Um, I know you just literally just watched it, right? I did just watch it. So I it's am fresh. very thankful for Wi-Fi and iTunes. Yes. So it's fresh in your mind. So you should have a you know a fresh perspective on what you just watched. I have watched. I actually watched it three times, which typically I don't watch an episode that many times um, this early after it airs. So that might say a little bit about how I felt about the episode. But, you know, so let's talk about it. Robot of Sherwood, Series 8, Episode 3, written by Mark Gatiss and directed by Paul Murphy. Yes. So last week when we talked about this, I was not too high on it. And if I remember correctly, you weren't too high on it either. Is that, am I, is that fair? I, um, I do remember that you said that you were expecting to not like it and i said that i am interested to see where they're going to go with it because i'm a fan of the of the character of robin hood um but i was concerned about some of the cheesy elements of the trailer so i think that's kind of where we both stood going into it Um, i think i had a little bit higher hopes than you did but um i'm sorry i'm laughing because that sounded like um ryan seacrest on american idol where like you you read off what the judges say and then we find out how america voted but um (laughs) Yeah, anyways. So how did America vote? Uh, well, I guess we can kind of get into it at the end if we, you know, we'll give our final thoughts at the end and, you know, if we recommend it and such. But um, starting out, 
we get we kind of knew what was going to happen we've seen it in the previews the doctor he's in the tardis with clara he basically gives her you know the option to go wherever she wants and she wants to go meet robin hood which in my mind you know i was thinking the same way the doctor was you know there's no such thing as robin hood you know you can't go visit robin hood right before that though i just want to mention the chalkboard that the doctor's drawing on well not drawing but he's writing stuff on he's studying that has shown up in almost ev- i think it's shown up in every episode of series 8 so all three episodes be it when he's writing like a madman in the bedroom with chalk or it shows up with um journey blue when he rescues her in the tardis it shows up there as well i want to know what he's writing on there um, it says time and space, but do you think that that's a hint that Moffat's dropping in these episodes for us, or am I making too much out of it? I think he's trying to do a mathematical calculation on which number doctor he actually is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no idea. I, I actually didn't even pick up on the the el- those elements, you know, kind of running through each episode. I didn't. I hadn't picked up on that, so it didn't even stick out to me. Nice. Okay. Well, yeah. I. It's just interesting. Like, but we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll see if it shows up again. Cool. That's that's all I'll say about it then. I won't throw out any theories or what I'm wondering about. Okay. <laughs> um. We'll leave it to the imagination. Yeah. So I kind of was in the same place when it comes to, probably because you spoiled me. Okay. You really did all this talk leading up to this episode. You were saying Robin Hood's not real. Robin Hood's not real. So I was really intrigued at how they were going to play it off. And the fact that they had the doctor ask that exact same question or make that statement that Robin is not real. Um, yeah, I was really interested to see what happened. So I was very glad that that's the way the episode started off with. Yeah, and he, I like how when he walks out of the TARDIS and he's like, there's no no damsels in distress, no something like beautiful castles, no Robin Hood, and then the arrow shoots like right next to his head. That was a nice entrance for the uh, the character of Robin Hood. You know, the iconic thing that we all know him for is that he's like supposed to be the world's best archer. So to have that, that arrow hit into the side of the TARDIS was, was a nice touch. Yes, I... I thought it was that was a good line because then you still have the doctor. I mean, he brought Clara to where Robin Hood should be. Still, though, he was thinking Robin Hood's not real. And then to basically drop right on top of Robin Hood um, with the wink that we saw in the preview, which wasn't really at the camera, but at the doctor um, with the whole arrow thing. It was. Yeah, I thought that was an awesome part of it. And then the doctor pulls out the arrow. And the TARDIS heals itself. And the TARDIS heals itself. Which I don't believe we've ever seen that. I don't believe we've ever seen that either. So I'm that, wondering how that plays into the classic Doctor with the melting lock. Would the TARDIS just heal the lock too? I think that was all just a big lie. <laughs> or Susan. I blame it on Susan. <laughs> there you go. That's why he left her behind. <laughs> But yeah, so that was that was interesting. I don't think we had known that. I mean, I guess it makes sense. You know, it's basically just pretending to be a, a telephone box, so it should be able to pretty much do whatever it wants, include you know fill a hole. But I guess it's supposed to be stuck as a telephone box as well. So, but it, yeah, it's definitely interesting. The doc, the, the uh, TARDIS can regenerate um, if something gets shot into it. Yeah, very neat. The fact that. The fact that Arrow could penetrate it was a little bit odd, but so I'll take it. So what did you think about the opening scene in general? Um, you know, you have the Doctor coming out of the TARDIS. He meets Robin Hood, who at this point, you know, the Doctor's obviously still skeptical that this is actually Robin Hood. Um, but then we get kind of the iconic, you know, Robin Hood fighting on a bridge over water. And I think it's happened in numerous, you know, um, versions of Robin Hood in the past. It's kind of that iconic battle. And the Doctor ends up fighting him like a sword fight, except the Doctor uses a spoon. Oh my god. Oh my god, it is, isn't it? Oh, they found him here, actually, found Robin Hood. That is not Robin Hood. Well, then, who, sir, is about to relieve you of your next box? 
worthy sir not in this universe or the next well then draw your sword and prove your words i have no sword i don't need a sword because i am the doctor and this is my spoon how did you feel about them using that kind of familiar element and as well as how did you feel about the whole idea that the doctor could fight him with a spoon? Not only did he fight him with a spoon, but he put on like a fencing glove before he fought him with a spoon. Um, yeah, the classic elements of Robin Hood, not only the sword fight on the log, um, but there were so many like, I don't know if stereotypical is the correct way to put it, but those those Robin Hood esque moments where it's like, okay, this is definitely Robin Hood. This is definitely playing to what we all dream Robin Hood to be the legend, the story, whichever version it is. Um, it was very Robin Hood esque. Um, the sword fight with the spoon, it works. I, I, I was expecting it to be really goofy and just like, a chink in Peter Capaldi's armor, um, no pun intended, not that he was wearing armor, but sword fighting and all that. Um, but there's something about Capaldi that, that pulled it off. Like, it wasn't he was being goofy. It was that he was being arrogant and egotistical, and it worked. What was what were your thoughts? I know that you yeah. weren't too sold on this idea. I, I, I was concerned about it when I had heard that there was this fight with a spoon, but actually the they the way they choreographed the fight um, it actually looked like both actors knew what they were doing. You know, I don't know if both of them, they probably do. I, I guess, um, they're both known for being, having roles in other shows that are set in these type of times, right? Yep. So I'm assuming they've both probably dealt with sword fights on screen before. They both looked like they knew what they were doing and the doctor had some impressive moves. Even Clara was impressed. She even said like, you know, at one point she looked at him and said, you're good. Yeah. You know, he, and he's cocky. It fits in with his personality. He he, he is good at stuff, and, and he knows it. He knows his way around a spoon. I can give him that much. And we know, you know, in uh, uh, Tennant's run as a doctor, he had a sword fight um, in the Christmas Invasion. So we, it's not the first time the doctors uh, fought with a sword. I believe another doctor has done it in the classic series as well. So we know he has this skill, and he showed it off a little bit, and he actually bested Robin Hood and uh, ended up, uh, you know, doing that kind of cool little move and knocking him into the water. Yeah, that's I I liked that part especially the whole like feint where you throw out your arms. So it all it all starts where Robin Hood cuts off one of his buttons, which the way that they set that up where the button drops to the ground and then it kind of like pans up to Capaldi, it gave you that feeling like. Oh, now you done it. Like, stand back. Something bad's going to happen. And then Capaldi just, like, stretches out his arms and holds them wide. And Robin Hood lunges with the sword, and he just kind of swings aside and hip-checks him into the water. It was, it was a very well-done scene. It was very well done. And it was all because Robin Hood wanted to steal the TARDIS property theft all that wonderful robin hood stuff and the doctor was defending his police box i'm gonna say this about series eight um i feel like they've stepped it up a notch with just the the way they're filming things um some of the just camera angles they're using it just seems better it seems more modern television and not so much kind of how doctor who has always seemed to be a little bit behind the times as compared to maybe american television um, I know like in 2005 when Eccleston's episodes came out, that didn't feel like a show that came out in 2005, not compared to the shows that we're used to, um, in, in the States. And then there was a obvious shift when they moved from Davies era to Moffat's era with, um, with season five with Smith, there was an obvious change in the way things looked. And I feel like now with season eight, I feel like there's another obvious change. It just looks better. It just looks like a very well done television show, more so than it has been. Yep, I agree. That's I. If you would have asked me at during series seven who I wanted to be the showrunner, I was getting very close to saying anybody but Moffat. Um, I really didn't like 
the direction. And I know that I know that directors versus the writer, two different things. Um, but it still felt like something had to change. And I am very glad that we can look at Series 8 and see and get the feeling that something has changed. And yet Moffat is still in place. We didn't have to have a huge overhaul to get this better feeling to it. So one of my favorite things about Robin Hood all throughout the episode was the fact that he laughed all the time. And the, <laughs> the doctor hated that about him, but I thought it was hilarious. Um, the actor, um, what's the actor's name that plays him? Tom Riley. Tom Riley. Um, he just did such a great job as Robin Hood. Like. Uh- instantly became one of my favorite, you know, people that the doctor has ever met. Um, I love the laugh. I love the line at the beginning where he says, Robin Hood laughs in the face of all. And then the doctor replies, and do people punch you in the face when you do that? <laughs> so just, I love their back and forth throughout and the he, entire episode. And Robin Hood says, not as of yet. And the doctor says, well, I'm glad I'm here then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, there are so many aspects of this episode um, that, like, everybody leading up to it, they were saying, with Mark Geddes as the writer, Tom Riley as the one of the co-stars or guest stars, Capaldi is just incredible, that this was going to be a great episode. And at least when we get to Robin Hood, when we get to Tom Riley, I wasn't disappointed. I some of the things leading up to it, it's like, okay, I'm sorry, but Robin Hood, the way that the some of the stills were showing him, the way that the preview showed him, the way that he appears, I thought, it's done. It's not going to work. But with how Tom Riley portrayed Robin Hood, even his appearance wasn't that big of a deal to me. It worked. It was awesome. I liked it. And the laughing... I thought it was hilarious just because of the way that Capaldi reacted to it. And I love the way they portrayed Robin Hood and the Merry Men and just pretty much everything, all the Robin Hood elements that we're used to. I loved how they kind of made it seem like the the, the old movies, like the old Errol Flynn Robin Hood. I don't know if you ever saw that. I have never seen Errol Flynn Robin Hood. You should check it out. It's kind of – it's a classic movie and – um, you know, if you've ever seen any Errol Flynn stuff, but it's kind of that that bravado that the, the actors used to have back in that time period, you know, and that and they mir- mirrored that so well with the way Tom Riley played him, you know, kind of this this heroic type character that was almost comical how heroic he is and how confident he is and you know always laughing and it just it they they did it perfect. It wasn't like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It wasn't like gritty. It was this like very um, just this vision of Robin Hood that was out of a storybook, you know, and not necessarily out of reality. Uh, but the the one thing I didn't like, I will say, about this version of Robin Hood, I loved the actor. I, you know, I loved, you know, like I was just saying, kind of the way that they played it up, like it was kind of this old classic film type Robin Hood. But I didn't like the the wig. I didn't like the the facial hair. It was... It was too unkempt. I was like, oh, like why don't you know trim that thing up a little bit?" He he lives in the woods. I'm willing to let it go. Yeah, I, it just didn't work for me for the the actor that was playing him. I just didn't feel like it was a good look for him. Yeah. Um. So I would have gone with more of a maybe kind of a, some stubble maybe, but without kind of the shaggy beard look on him. I, it just didn't work for me. And the, and the way his hair was, it just looked like he hadn't washed it in forever. I couldn't tell if it was a wig or if he had just, you know, if he had a bad stylist that morning. But yeah, it wasn't my favorite look as far as just the hair goes, but the outfit and everything, it worked. That's, I, I can see that. I can see that. I'm, I just pulled up a picture of it. It is, I don't know. Just looks it's like a bad wig. Yeah, but I don't know if it is a wig. I don't I'm think wondering. it is. That's the thing. It looks like a bad wig, <laughs> but it's. I don't think it is because I. I thought I saw a picture of of him that he had posted, um, where it looked like it was his real hair. But yeah, that it's bad when you have your real hair looking like a wig. So I blame that on. <laughs> I blame that on the makeup department. But yeah, that just that was the one thing that kept sticking out to me. Is he was cool. He didn't look cool to me. 
he his, was, per, his personality was cool. His outfit was cool, but he didn't look cool because that hair was just ugly. <laughs> uh, it's not his natural hair color. I'll give you that. It definitely looks unnatural. <laughs> and here we are discussing outfits and hair color. These are the and... type of things I notice. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So the doctor in the in Robin Hood throughout the episode, it was like this constant like ego you know, back and forth between them two, which I, I found very entertaining, which really the highlight of it all was when they were in this j- jail cell together. And they're just going back and forth on trying to just one-up each other. And I I really thought that those two actors played so well off of each other. And it was probably what made the episode for me was just the, those interactions. I agree. That's It definitely felt like they were setting up this tension um, between Robin Hood and the doctor, it all starts with the doctor not even believing Robin Hood is real, not only in the TARDIS, but even when Robin Hood is standing right there in front of him. Um, And then the doctor going great lengths to disprove that Robin Hood even exists or his merry men even exist. And all Robin does is laugh and just putting myself in the doctor's shoes I would get frustrated. That would be very frustrating to have a firm belief that something is not as it is and then have someone who just laughs at you. Um, uh, yeah, those interactions between Doctor, uh, the Doctor and Robin Hood, those, those definitely made the episode um, so much better. That's And, and the nature of the interactions. It, it couldn't have happened with any other doctor i don't think um there's something very special about capaldi's doctor that i feel like we're all starting to believe that he is an egotistical troubled mad individual um and it works it works really well especially in these situations when you have someone who's almost the complete opposite uh but yeah trying to disprove that the merry men even exist that robin even exists how did you how did you like that that part when so I guess after they got done sword fighting, they decided, oh, we'll we'll just hang out for a little bit. Um, how did you like the interaction with the Merry Men? It was good. We had we kind of had the regular you know cast of characters that we're used to seeing with the the Merry Men with uh, you know Will Scarlet and Little John, um, and just some of the different interactions where the Doctor's like testing the guy for to see if he's uh, to see if he's real, and he tells him you know he's riddled with diseases or he says if you're real then you're gonna die in six months and then the guy <laughs> the guy's response was i am real and he says bye yeah. and then he gives a he gives an awesome look and then just like rolls away that's did you catch the doctor's new gadget there yeah it was some kind of syringe but like a sonic syringe I know it, it like he's the doctor, so it kind of makes sense, but it's not at all what I expected to see the doctor carrying around. Yeah, I'm not sure what he would have had a use for that. I guess he just grabbed it, um, you know, when he went to he stopped into the TARDIS real fast and grabbed it before they went over with the Merry Men, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he doesn't always have it on him. I who knows what he keeps in that coat. Maybe it's like Mary Poppins bag. Maybe Mary Poppins was a Time Lord. We never know. <laughs> It's well, bigger the on the inside. Where he bites out of the Who apple knows? brought back memories to me of um, Smith when he's trying to figure out what types of foods that he likes, and I believe he did the same. He was eating um, he was eating yogurt at the beginning of this episode, which I believe was also something that Smith didn't like when he was testing out his new taste buds. So I didn't know if those were like purposeful references that he was eating these things that Smith didn't like. Um, or if it was just a coincidence, I, I picked up on the eating something in the TARDIS in the first place and that's how he ended up with a spoon in his pocket. Um, yeah, I was wondering if there was some slight reference to him still trying to figure things out there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I wonder if there was some intentionality behind the apple. I mean, it doesn't have a smiley face in it, but it was an apple nonetheless. And Smith pitched that one out the door um, and then eating with the spoon who knows what he was eating Maybe, I, was it yogurt 
Um, I don't think yeah. it was clear what it was, but I kind of had just thought about that as you're seeing him eat different things, and I'm just like, huh, I wonder if these are intentional references because we know the doctor, you know, when he changes, he everything changes, including his tastes. So, yeah. well, um, another intentional reference that not for the doctor, but Robin Hood, we get the whole arrow splitting scene. Yeah, that's another, you know, classic Robin Hood. Almost every version that you've seen of it, including the Disney version with the fox, um, has the scene with the arrow splitting and the, the you know, the competition for the prize and all that stuff. So, yeah, they, I like how they kept they kept bringing those elements in. Yeah, did, did you think that uh, Robin's disguise would fool the sheriff? I mean... Tom the Tinker was a pretty good disguise that Robin was wearing there. I think that's, you know, that's part of the the humor of the the whole thing, you know, and kind of going back to what I was saying about it being, you know, kind of like classic movies, you know, there obviously it was obvious who he was, uh, but that's the kind of stuff that they did in those classic movies, you know. I don't know, if you throw a cloak over your right shoulder, that completely changes your appearance. It actually made me think a little bit about the, I know I just brought up the Disney version of Robin Hood, which tends to be the one that I remember the most, um, but it did kind of remind me of the disguise that he wore there, now minus the the big like pelican beak and all that, <laughs> but he had the floppy hat and the, the cloak and, and things like that it was very similar. I so wanted to see him with the pelican beak on and, <laughs> and, the, and, and on stilts. I so wanted to see them bust that out. <laughs> but... Yeah, but this is the scene where the doctor starts to make some. Well, I guess we can, we won't skip past the actual arrow splitting because we have the scene where Robin splits the arrow, which we're used to. But then the doctor, with his very colorful um, arrow, actually splits Robin's arrow, which was kind of funny. <laughs> I love that because Robin just won the competition, is getting ready to collect it, and the doctor just like pulls out a bow, shoots it, and he says, clearly, I'm the best archer here, and he goes to collect the arrow as well. And then he just, he gets his prize, and then he just throws it, like, what does he call it, like a trinket, or I forget a what bobble. word. A bobble. A bobble, yeah, it's it's no, it's no of no worth to him. Um, and this is just the doctor, I think, still, he doesn't believe in this whole thing, he's being cocky, and he's still, you know, having this, you know, this match with Robin, you know, trying to, this this whole ego trip, where he's trying to one-up him. So um, it all plays very well into the personality of Capaldi's doctor. Yeah, and Robin then splits the doctor's arrow, and then the doctor bounces an arrow off of one of the knights and splits Robin's arrow, and then Robin splits his arrow again, and then the, the doctor blows the target up. He just gets tired of it and just blows it up with his sonic, which we know the sonic can do. It doesn't really make sense, but it can blow stuff up. <laughs> um but yeah, but this is a scene where he starts to make some ground on figuring out the whole mystery because um, they have a run-in with the knights. It turns out that the knights are robots. And then he says something like, robots, now we're getting somewhere. So And they get themselves captured. Yep, which leads to the scene that we had kind of already discussed. Um, but this that's kind of one of the highlights for um, Jenna Coleman is in there, you know, she ends up being kind of the level-headed one because the two boys are just going back and forth, you know, you know, trying to compete. And then she ends up being the one that they think is kind of the leader, um, <laughs> which leads her to meeting with the sheriff of Nottingham and, and their kind of discussions. Um, but how did you think that, that uh, Jenna Coleman did this episode? Did you like her, you know, her as Clara in this episode in, in particular? I think because of the strong performance from Robin Hood and the doctor Clara was very acceptable. Like she wasn't, she wasn't out there all that much or at the moments that she was, I was still getting over the previous scene that we saw with the doctor. So even when she was having a discussion with the sher the sheriff of Nottingham, um, I was still like chuckling to myself about the, the doctor and Robin Hood being locked up in the dungeon. Um, yeah, it, it worked for me. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, this was an amazing performance by Clara. It worked for me. Yeah. yeah, I thought she did a good job. And the whole scene with her and the Sheriff of Nottingham, you know, we get you get her kind of being a little bit devious and getting information out of him, you know, even though 
you know, she kind of tricks him into thinking that she already knows something and then he just spills the beans like a typical, you know, kind of back to the whole like classic film, you know, type of villain who is going to do that. You know, he's going to tell you all his plans before he actually does them. So it, it fit really well with the story. But so we have the sheriff of Nottingham and now he's he's got these robot knights and, you know, it's kind of like, OK, what's going on here? But um, he kind of explains that these these uh, robots crash landed. And I was a little confused here because I wasn't sure exactly why he became their leader. Like, was it something they just were looking for a leader and he just happened to be like, OK, this guy seems like or was there another connection there that I missed? I that's that's a great question. I'm kind of with you on that one where it kind of to me it left it open because even the Prince John like he wasn't appreciated by Prince John and then all this stuff happened and now we don't have Prince John anywhere in the picture. Um and then there were some other references later on where the sheriff made mention that he was man and machine i i was wondering if i missed something there where he was experimented on they fixed him he was injured when it crash landed i i wasn't quite sure what happened but there obviously was something special about the sheriff or he was willing for there to be something special about him that um allowed him to rule the robots yeah because his his whole goal was that he was going to take the ship that had crash landed they were trying to fix it uh, which I guess they needed gold to fix it. And that's why he's been stealing from the poor. And it all ties into the whole Robin Hood story. But um, his plan was to, once they got the ship running, that they were going to take it and he was going to use that to kind of take over England, I guess, or start with the lo- you know other towns around there. But his entire plan was to, to take over England, or did he say the world? He was going to start with England and then go for the world. Okay. so Which was interesting because the data banks for the ship were pointing somewhere else. Yeah, so the data banks for the ship were pointing towards Paradise. The reference that we've had in every episode up to this point, we had the clockwork robots from episode one trying to get to Paradise. We had um, Gretchen showing up in Paradise in episode two, and now we have another crash-landed ship in Nottingham, that was originally trying to make it to paradise. Their engine blew up, and now that's where the sheriff is going to be using them to conquer the world. Okay, so we did get a reference to paradise, kind of, indirectly. Um, but we just didn't get Missy. We just didn't get Missy this episode. Missy was missing. Hmm. So you kind of were referring to what he said about being like part machine, part man. Yes. So I'm going to jump us ahead a little bit because I know this is something we want to talk about, and that is the the scene that got cut, the beheading scene, which uh, they were being sensitive to world events, felt like it wasn't appropriate to leave it in there, so they took out a scene of beheading. Um, so from what I've come across, and I you know I'm not going to say this is 100% fact because sometimes wikis can be you know not 100% factual. Most of the time they're pretty reliable, but what I came across in the story notes, and this is on the TARDIS, uh, TARDIS.wikia.com or the TARDIS data core, as it's known by, is that the scene that was cut was actually a scene of the Sheriff of Nottingham being beheaded, which revealed really? him to be a robot. That, huh, that's interesting. I wonder how... So apparently that was supposed to happen before the scene where they were fighting above the, like the molten gold. Yeah. So I'm not sure how that works. Like he cuts his head off and maybe because he's a robot, he reattaches it and then they have, they continue the fight. Um, but apparently that was supposed to have happened before they went up into the rafters and fought. Um, so that's what I'm seeing on the wiki. I'm guessing that it's accurate, but who knows now, now I want to go back through and rewatch there was so here's a part that i'll read this from the wiki it says the cut can clearly be seen in the finished program when the tapestry behind clara and the doctor vanishes before robin cuts the rope and rises to the wooden gantries 
So apparently that's where this where the cut happens, and it's actually obvious that there's a cut because there's something in the background that that uh vanishes. the curtain that they slide down disappears. Right. So huh. I now that I've read this, I want to rewatch it and see if I can catch it. But apparently it was the sheriff of Nottingham who was actually beheaded and revealed as a robot, which to me, that's a pretty big deal because that wasn't clear, at least not to me, that he was a robot the way that this, the, that it played out without that scene. I agree. So, I agree. Yeah, the whole, you know, he did say something about being half man, half engine, which was kind of like, okay, there's something going on here, but um, it wouldn't have been as clear as seeing him his head removed and seeing him being a robot. So, which to me, I'm going to say that although I get where they're coming from with being sensitive, cutting off the head of a robot to me would have been permissible. I don't think that would have come across as offensive. I mean, we already had the head lobbed off of a robot. Did we not? Recently? There, no, in this episode, there's a there's a part where that's why at the end he picks up the head of the robot and he throws it underneath the the furnace. Right, but I guess the difference obviously would be that this was a robot that looked like a human when his head got cut off, and then you find out he's a robot. But um, yeah, I still think they were being maybe a little too safe, and because the scene to me would have been very important, I think they should have left it in. But. I'm gonna. I, I'm I get gonna where they're coming by from. What they did. Uh, yeah, I yeah, get where they're I'm coming gonna... from, but I, I don't think there would have been too much of an uproar. That's. It's interesting. I need to go back now because my theories of what happened just got completely dismantled. <laughs> so. Yeah. So it is. It's interesting. It was an interesting choice to to cut it out because I feel like it's important uh, to the episode. But. Yeah. It. It does change things a bit. <laughs> it does. I so here is what I'm I'm wondering because we have robots that become people already, or people that become robots already in Doctor Who. Correct. We have the Cybermen. Right. I and and essentially from, the Daleks. I mean, the Daleks, although they're aliens, still use robotic apparatus apparati. Um, you know, so there is, there's that element as well. And from what I've seen, as far as the last couple episodes are concerned and spoiler alert, if you haven't been, um, if you haven't seen some of the stills that have come out from the ending episodes already, um, there's going to be Cybermen in the last couple episodes, which most likely is where we get the tie in with paradise. Could the sheriff have been, starting to be assimilated into the Cybermen world. So you're saying there may be some sort of a connection between these robots and the Cybermen? I think there is. Hmm. Interesting. Is this a new breed of Cybermen? Or an old breed of Cybermen? Because they also were um, analyzing the, peop- the, the bodies of the workers and deciding who was worth keeping and who wasn't. Seems very Cybermen-esque to me. Yeah, and there's actually been some kind of a robotic element to all three episodes, obviously, with the the first episode having androids, second episode having Dalek, Daleks, and now we have this episode with the robots of Sherwood. So, yeah, there's a, there's been this kind of robot theme going through a little bit. It's going to be interesting. We're in for some good ones. So let's kind of you know wrap it up a little bit, but how did you feel about... Um, kind of the way it all ended, the fact that they end up getting the ship going, they lift off, but then they realize that it's not going to have enough power. The doctor says it's going to explode and destroy the entire country, I think he says. Um, and so in order to get the more lift, they shoot a golden arrow at it. How did that come across to you? Was that Did that work for you? It worked for me. I I enjoyed the ride up to that point. And so when we get to the point and Robin's arm had been hurt from the sword fight with the sheriff, so he couldn't shoot the arrow himself and he asked for help and the doctor, the, the, the power source was gold. So shooting in a gold arrow, adding a little bit more power, 
I'll accept it. It was fun to watch. The doctor admitted to having cheated, which was also a rumor that um, came out during the summer that the doctor and Robin Hood had a fight and the doctor said he cheated. Um, now we know why he cheated or how he cheated. He made a homing arrow to split the arrows, what have you. I was cool with the end. It it worked for me. Like I said, I enjoyed everything else leading up to that point. I enjoyed that part as well. I have a feeling that you might have felt differently. What are your thoughts? I, I That was the weakest point of the episode for me, the, the way that they kind of did that. I mean, I get they used the archery, um, but there's only a certain level of disbelief I can go with on that and like shooting a golden arrow into the sky. Um, I'm pretty sure if you tried to shoot a golden arrow, it might go 10 feet, maybe. Um, so the fact that the thing went straight up into the sky, very aerodynamically, you know, hit the target was like, okay, you know, I get that. I can, I can maybe give that a pass, but then just the fact that, you know, it was made out of gold and they needed gold to run the ship. But if you hit on the outside of the ship, to me that doesn't necessarily make very much sense how that would boost the <laughs> engines from some sort of a, you know, the engines obviously are inside the ship. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a kind of like, okay, stretch your imagination as far as you can type of scene. Aaron, you of all people should know that someone is able to fit a projectile in a very, very small exhaust port. I used to target womp rats back home in my T-60. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but he didn't have the force, man. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't had, have the force. had the doctor, though. So, But yeah, it was a... Whatever. that. Like I said, it was kind of the weakest point for me and kind of cheesy, but... It's fine. The rest of the episode made up for it, so it didn't really bother me that much. And not only the rest of the episode, but like the ending of the episode. I thought I I loved like after the golden arrow, all that stuff, no more loot playing, give it a rest. Um as the doctor is getting on the TARDIS, I loved that ending scene. What were your thoughts? Like, how did you feel the ultimate ending of the episode was? Did it leave you with a bad taste in your mouth? How did you like it? No, I thought it was perfect. I loved the the ending. They still, you know, the Doctor and and, um, Robin Hood are still kind of, at this point, you know, the Doctor has come to the conclusion that this is actually Robin Hood, uh, which is really cool. You know, they kind of, the whole time you're wondering how the doctor is going to figure out that he's not Robin Hood. But then we find out he actually is, and he's just a legend that's been forgotten in time. And kind of the parallels between the doctor and him, you know, being these legends that will become stories uh, that nobody's going to actually think are real. Um, I like that parallel. I like kind of the fact that they didn't necessarily leave as friends, but, you know, they understood each other. And just some of the dialogue at the end I thought was really great. Um, so I was, yeah, I was two thumbs up on the, on the ending on the, on this one. Yeah, I agree. That's the whole exchange between the doctor and Robin Hood where Robin Hood basically says, Claire told me everything. And the doctor says she shouldn't have done that. And the doctor says, I'm still having a hard time believing your story. Um, and I might have that slightly out of order, but then Robin Hood says, yeah, who, I, it, why is it so hard to believe that a man of wealth and prosperity would um, leave it all for the plight of the poor? And he says, and and it like pauses there, and then he says, and steal the TARDIS. And so like the tables just flipped. And then the whole exchange about um, Robin say Robin Hood saying Clara thinks you're a hero, and the Doctor says, but I'm not. And Robin says, neither am I. But as long as we keep acting like heroes, then maybe others will be heroes in our name. I just thought that was an awesome scene. Robin saying, hey, basically, don't give up. Fight the good fight. Keep going. Doing what you're doing. And we'll both just live on as legends, whether people believe we're real or not. I, I'm with you. Two thumbs way, way up on that scene. It was one of those moments um, where, like, you honestly feel like the dialogue between the characters is legit where Tom Riley says, and I hope your story never ends when Robin hood says to the doctor, I hope your story never ends. 
that felt very real to me. Maybe I'm just projecting my own thoughts as far as like not wanting the doctor's story to end. Um, but yeah, I thought the ending was really, really special. Yeah. And, uh, Clara says, you know, the comment where she says, you kind of like him, don't you? And then he says, I did leave him a gift. <laughs> that was kind of a, a nice little tie, a little bow they tied on the end of that one. Yep. And then there's Marion who has been before us this entire time. And I didn't even connect the dots there. I might be an idiot. I don't know. No, I mean, yeah, I didn't connect the dots that 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 girl specifically who had shown up a few times throughout the episode was Marion. Um, but it was cool to see that them, you know, kind of throw that in at the end. I liked it. It was a nice touch. I did. And then Robin gets excited and then runs on top of a hill and shoots an arrow into the sky, which I kind of expected to hit the TARDIS. Maybe the doctor will pull an arrow out of the TARDIS next episode. I don't know, but it was just kind of fun to see the excitement. I just wonder if Marion would be uh, a little jealous of maybe some of the attention that Clara was getting from Robin um, throughout the episode. If she had seen him, uh, you know, kind of showing her how to shoot a bow and all that stuff. I think Marion has her own issues to think about why she was giving kisses to the doctor on the cheek. I, I know he rescued you at all, but come on, come on. You don't need to kiss him. <laughs> so oh, it sounds like overall this was a, a good one for you. Do you have any final thoughts? I love this episode. I was convinced that we hit two good episodes. This was going to be a low point. I don't think it was a low point at all. It It felt better i would say that this is better than the first two episodes um and i'm really excited for the fourth episode i honestly feel like the doctor is getting better and we had some discussion about this beforehand as far as where he is in the pantheon of doctors um you said that he's ahead of smith i'm having a hard time not putting him ahead of tenant right now and that would be a huge step but that's how much I'm enjoying Capaldi as the doctor. And that I, That's right on the edge of heresy right there for me. But I love this episode, and I feel like it can only get better as the season goes on. We are such Capaldi fanboys right now. Oh, man, what's happening to us? I was I had nothing but negatives about Capaldi during the offseason, and now listen to me. I'm, I'm sold hook, line, and sinker. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's early enough. It's way too early to say that he's better than Tennant. Um, I'm gonna have to watch a full season before I make that decision. But I do think he's starting to inch past Smith for me. I never was a huge fan of Smith's version of the Doctor, although I did enjoy it. There were a lot of elements about the way he portrayed the Doctor I just didn't like, and Capaldi to me is more the style that I enjoy. So I, I will say that he has surpassed Smith already. Which even that, after only three episodes, is hard to say, but I will say it. Um, Tennant is still way ahead of him, but um, we'll see. He definitely has the potential. Um, I did. I love this episode. It's it's right now. It's one of my favorites overall. Um, I tend to like the ones where they go back in time into the you know these more historical type episodes. Um, I like the character of Robin Hood. So this was fun for me. I thought the, you know, Tom Riley did an awesome job. Um, just the way the thing was filmed. The story was a little shaky, especially the ending. But just all the, the good lines and the, the banter between the Doctor and Robin Hood and, and just the ending scene, like we were just talking about, how they left. Um, yeah, big, you know, big thumbs up for this one. Huge fan of this episode. By far the best of the three episodes that we've seen so far. And I cannot wait to see more uh, of Capaldi. I'm right there with you. And guess what? We only have to wait till tomorrow. September tomorrow. 13th, Listen is on air. By the time I'm editing, done editing this episode, it will be tomorrow. But, <laughs> so I will just stay up and watch it. Thanks, Adam, for uh, hanging out with me tonight. And uh, you know, I know you're traveling and you're in a hotel room. And there's a little bit of audio issues, I think, uh, you know, because you're using the hotel Wi-Fi. But... I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang out with me tonight. Oh, no, I appreciate you hanging in there with me and not just recording an episode without me. That's 
I've thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, really enjoyed talking about it and really enjoy the fact that we could talk about it together, even though my speed test is saying I'm pulling less than one megabyte right now. It's been pretty good throughout. There's been a couple of times you've broken up a little bit, but I think our listeners will understand you're, you're on, you're on location in New York city. So, uh, hopefully they'll understand, but, um, We've gotten some good feedback from listeners as well. We, you know, we had said I think in our last episode that we finally crested that that goal we were shooting at for Twitter. Uh, we've gotten, uh, you know, a couple, you know, really good comments from people that are finding us and saying, "Hey, this is a really good podcast, a really good Doctor Who podcast out there that I wasn't aware of." So we're starting to get our our footing, Adam, and hopefully uh, more people will find us. So if you guys are listening to us out there and you haven't told your other Whovian friends about us, let them know. As always, leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. If you listen to our show and you like us, leave us a review over there. You can follow us on Twitter, at Bad Wolf Podcast. Facebook, just search for Bad Wolf Radio. We're the ones with the black and white logo. And you can send us feedback, badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email. Um, let us know what you think about the show, things that you might want to see us change, or just things that you, that you like about it. Upward and onward and later days. Later dates! <laughs> Upward and onward. <laughs> <laughs>